we're back. Centered subject had returned after yet another hiatus. Uh, hard to organize when when you're in different countries and time zones. Yeah, but we we uh, do it anyway. I know we struggle. Yeah. How is it in Athens? Good, mostly. Um, oh, I had a robbery experience on Friday. Mm. Last Friday, I got hinged, pickpocketed. Someone pinched my wallet. Um, mm. Someone pinched my wallet, and I was very concerned. And I thought, really, for a second, that I was just stranded in a foreign country. With you know, because the wallet contained cards, um, a little bit of cash, but also cards because. Um, usually I just take some out of the bank. And so I, for a second I thought, oh my goodness, that's it. You know, I'm stranded. I don't know what I'm going to do. But then it turned out that bank actually, I have a contactless, you know, Apple Pay card. And yeah. basically I just thought that I wasn't going to spend money for a couple of days. And I prepared myself for this kind of um, austere living, you know. Yeah. But then it turned out that I could spend even with greater ease because all it took is just having my phone with me. So I didn't, and, you know, I, I don't have anything else, but I just kept plopping my phone onto contactless terminals, and just money kept flowing. Strange, strange, <laughs> abstract. <laughs> I know. Money flow. And then it just became really abstract, completely abstract. Really, just like a strange gesture. Huh. Yeah, that's how how it is here. But anyway, things are things are better. I have a show opening this Friday. Um, if anyone's listening from Greece, Athens in particular, do come. Um, post a link in episode, I guess. How is it in New York? Um, it's okay. I'm very busy and doing a lot of different projects and school things and job things right now. So I'm excited about the idea to have a centering moment with you and think about something very like concretely. I like that. Yeah, lots of different like running around and not knowing where I'm going and the commuting and the, mm. I don't know. I feel quite upside down and I think I'll be okay in uh, about a week, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's also Thanksgiving week, so yeah. I guess that's it's true. also like a, kind of a break, right? I do feel like things kind of accelerate. Um, it doesn't matter almost right. where you are in the world, but pe- I think things kind of accelerate toward the end of the year somehow. Yeah, they do. Yeah, why do you think that is? Well, I'm, I think some of it is just um, our perception of time, I think, you know, and it feels like something is ending, so there's a kind of rush to finish things, even though nothing really is ending. <laughs> Welcome to the drilling session of pre-show <laughs> installation. Um, but then, anyway, but I think it's just... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we have, there's a kind of cycle that humans go into with, you know, each each year having a goal, you know, this list, litany uh-huh. of hopes. Right. And then, well, that's kind of a more person on a personal level, but I, and I think also like on a kind of the social functional level, people go on vacation yeah. in December or in the States, it's also the Thanksgiving. So there's a kind of rush to things. Oh, to sell things, to buy things, and also to finish the jobs somehow, finish all the semesters. Yeah, when I first saw the Christmas items, it got really like, oh, yes. what, really? I know, it's oh. always a strange shock. At least there's no Christmas right. music here. There's some decorations, not as abundant as it is in the West, kind of, but oh, not nearly. But still, it's odd because it's quite warm still. I mean, it's like a jacket weather, but, you know, there's this white fluff, right. fake fluff <laughs> in the window displays <laughs> snowy Christmas. <laughs> 
You're not real. No, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Zeus would laugh. <laughs> what does Zeus think? Yeah. Mm, doesn't think much about the singular god. Oh, wait, it's Trinity? Yes. Is it pantheism, actually? Because of Trinity? Oh, oh I don't god. know, but I, I wanted to tell the story that I read yesterday about the origin of the term panic. Oh. And thought it was really fun, and it's Grecian. I believe it was the god Pan who at one point was very upset about something as he was uh, living his life. And he let out a scream that was like one of the loudest screams ever heard in the land. My goodness. And from that, they got the word panic. Yeah, that you're behaving panically because he did that thing that was so extreme and out of control. That's interesting mm-hmm. because I we had this experience today, actually this morning, um, at the gathered. <laughs> maybe this will be a foray into our kind of animalistic conversations or not. That seems yeah. funny, but you know, I'm at this space. Uh, I've been doing a residency, and there are a couple of other artists. And so today was this day where we met with the curator in the space, and we were supposed to start hanging things, you know, deciding where they were in space. And one of uh, the residents, one of the artists didn't have her work, someone was supposed to pick it up and they didn't and she got really frustrated and all of a sudden she started sort of speaking in an upset way about this and then her voice just escalated and escalated and escalated yeah. until it was like this full-blown scream. Wow. And it was incredible. She also had this deep voice. Nice. So the three, the rest of us were just sort of, it felt like a force of nature. It was, like we like quite, Pan. Yes, very much. And it was interesting also because it's rare that people let their guard down in a public right. setting. So it it really makes you think of like, you know, the instinctual makeup of our natures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now it kind of like, you know, what drives us like the emotional drives, which I guess I, I always associate with kind of more, I guess, animal like yeah. living when you just kind of follow the needs well, that right. you have. Although, again, yeah. what do I know about the animals? That's a good point. Yeah. The Freudian take is really that our true nature is this wild, unburdened, emotional, physical beast. And the ego in this and the superego's job is to keep it. Mm-hmm. I under control. Well, the ego and the superego are supposed to work to keep it under control and to translate it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I heard a thing recently that the ego is supposed to work between between the superego and the animalistic nature, which is like the id, it, as a translator and to try to make everyone happy, but it doesn't always work. So, the superego is telling us to be these like very robotic, Apollinean, like super organized and then it is like the Dionysian has no control center and then the ego is supposed to be the go-between so it's interesting from a uh, from looking at animals that we <laughs> we like to take away the control centers from animals in general and say oh well you know when we're out of control we're like animals right but right. like oh, that's also like um what people say about immigrants and uh, other nations interesting Oddly, yes that's yeah, at any point you want to take away subjectivity and, and yeah. human uh, and value. I won't even say human, but like in value, you like yeah. instantly go to the animal. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I saw also the other night at a bar, um, there was a woman who put on a monkey mask 
and mm-hmm. she was dancing around and kind of interacting with everyone, like tapping people mm. on their shoulders and just acting very playful. Nice. You know, and we were all sort of struck by it because it, it was just kind of a regular evening. You know, there's no festival, there's no carnival, there's nothing happening. Why? You know, I had this yeah. person wearing um, this monk. It was a very realistic mask as well. So oh. it was interesting. But then, um, and I wanted to, you know, and then I went to talk to her about it uh, if I saw her again. But then I, and then I saw her again but I didn't really get the courage to come up and talk to her because without the mask, she seemed very sort of proper and kind of inapproachable. Mm. And it almost seemed like it would be somehow offensive to bring up the subject of that mask, you know? Like it was a completely different person. I love it. Somehow I just couldn't. So yeah, it was interesting. You couldn't, yeah, you... You, the id and the superego couldn't have a conversation yeah. like it would be too untoward to mention it. That's amazing. Somehow, yeah. When you remember when you were a monkey twenty minutes ago, like also would just how did you feel? <laughs> what was going through your mind? What happened? Yes, lady? what happened? So you felt oh. like dancing. <laughs> <laughs> When you are a monkey, who are you? <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> masking good. ourselves it gives yeah. us gives us a certain freedom, I suppose. Sure, I think that's an interesting point, and and I think that the being an animal, the relating to our animal self, is a lot of the reason why people, you know, like substances and drinking and sex and yeah. anything that really takes us out of ourselves. I think. Being taken out of ourselves, I'll say, is like a really important element in being a person, you know, Mm -hmm. and because we don't we want to. That's what we think. That's what we say. Relaxing is. I agree, Mm -hmm. of course. But yeah, I was struck. I was I was washing the dishes for some reason. I was just like struck with this idea of what true sobriety is like. Like, what does it look like? How do people live? And I was thinking of like, what if I was totally sober? And I don't drink a lot, but I have like when I'm studying sometimes I'll like every, every three or four days I will like drink. a study cap. <laughs> like a night cap I, I love my study cap. Right. And I was thinking because I'm really super ego overwhelmed right now and it's not great for me. Um, I was like, well, what is it like for people when they don't drink or do anything at all? And I was wondering how their minds work and how, you know, how do they think and, and we should interview people about that. It's I've, mm. I've heard it's it's difficult because you don't have this sense of release from yourself, from your brain, and uh, you can't as easily go into that like freer, quote unquote, free yourself. But um, but I think finding that is a big part of the sobriety journey. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. What we do is we hang out with uh, people who are using power tools. <laughs> I'm. I was about to say, you know, just the, yeah. It like helps us relax. So present, the tool. It is very <laughs> present. But okay, let's talk about tools. So um, there were some things um, we kind of, I guess, ever since our um, inaugural animals episode, we have been keeping an eye on animal n- news. <laughs> Yes, news. From There's a lot of human slash animal world. So like, I guess it's it's often humans bewildered by animal behavior. Yeah, is that hu- what it is? humans bewildered by animal behavior Shocked. is a, one of the most popular things on the internet. That's so true. It's a moneymaker. Yeah, I saw that you've um, you were able to locate this important story about dog learning to talk by using a custom soundboard. Yes. 
It's a great article. Um, I suggest everyone read it. I mean, great visuals. <laughs> Some great visuals there. I'm sure a lot of us saw it. But, like, um, dog confronted with many light switches. Yes. 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 She steps on buttons corresponding with words. She is very cute. She walked to her device and tapped out want Jake come. So part of this, I think, is that she likes to speak in sentences. And so she says things more concretely than anybody got a dog to say, like Mm -hmm. that she's using that possibly, according to this, she's using grammar, which is really interesting. I mean, there's more to it. But I think what's interesting to me about this stuff is that the humans in the articles are always so shocked at the the level of complexity that dogs can or animals can use when they communicate with humans. And I never, I never find that too surprising because I've hung out with an animal before, you know, and you can see that there, I don't know what the communication is necessarily all the time, but you can see that there's communication. That's like the whole point of having a pet is that you have some sort of kind of unformed language together Um, where they get you to do stuff for them, basically. Mm. I think it's amazing that it maybe uses grammar and it enjoys this game, but... Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't know. You don't believe it? You think it's fake? No, well, I just, I don't even think it's fake. I think, you know, indeed it plays with buttons. Why wouldn't one? (laughs) You know, I would. But it's it's also like a very attractive layout. You know, there's like a nice board, colorful buttons. Yes. You know, Possibly they make sounds, I'm not sure. Yes, she can combine five words to make a phrase or sentence. Yes, but I think a lot of those words, you know, you combine any of them. Of course, you can, the mind sort of, you know, your mind completes it. You know, she plays, Mm -hmm. she'll probably press Jake, meet, (laughs) goes, you know, and the person will be like, oh my gosh, she wants me to go to the store, get her meat, you know, but she just Mm -hmm. stepped on a few buttons. Yes, um, I'm agreed. Not sure. I, mean, I mean, she, yeah, it's possible. Um, it could go she could either be just way. Like a gen- she could be like a random sentence generator. Yeah. The Stella dog. But maybe not. It's not too far out of my frame that the yeah. dog would would be able to uh, align, yeah. a very, very smart dog would be able to align a word to a behavior. Like when she wants a belly rub or after she gets a belly rub, she presses happy. Mm-hmm. And so that makes her happy. Like I, I can, I can like guess that that's a possibility because that's kind of where Coco. No, Coco used sentences too. Yes, but you can train. You can train someone to press a particular button. They don't necessarily know the I meaning. Know, know. You know the meaning of that language. Right. But I think it's hilarious the way it's described. Like she pressed. Right. You know the narration of that. The narration of that behavior. She pressed the button nine times. <laughs> and it's almost like a miracle. I think there's a kind of yeah. quasi-religion feeling, religious feeling to it. Like nine times the ritual. The tears like she, have really, you know, fallen from the statue nine times. Oh dear! Oh my gosh! Um, it reminds me of this conversation I had the other day about language. Like my friend said, "Oh, babies." my parents don't remember the first word that I said because I wasn't really using language. So it doesn't really matter what word I first said. And, um, I was thinking about that. And then uh, my friend had sent me a video of her baby saying mama and her, like the moment where she taught her baby how to say that. And you could really see the baby synapses firing to try to mirror, mirror her. You can, it's amazing right? to mirror the, the mother and to really be using language as as a mirroring device, as a way to connect with the mother. Was it calling out mama? No, it was using this use of words as a bridge between the two people, as a thing to do. 
And so it was, it, to me, I don't know much about the like early use of language in man or whatever, but it felt like that function is probably the first one. And mm-hmm. then later on, it's about, you know, like what they think the dog is doing, which is like saying I want or making a request mm-hmm. or saying they want something. But it was an interesting thing where he was just like, that's not language because it's not, you're not saying something that comes from inside you and then you're trying to bring it out to someone Yeah, else. you're mimicking, you're, right. right? Yeah, you're emulating, echoing. Yeah. It is not, right. it's not informed sort of yeah you know, it's not a decisive but but also who's to say what decision is the right one what you know repeating something you know chanting something what what is, is language for meaningful. yeah what is language for exactly sometimes yeah. it is just for making these on you know what about people that have you know lost um you know had a stroke and you know right. had lost the ability to kind of form sentences you know so they're, no it's a bit different right. though and yeah that's their turn but they're not using sort of like the same form of um, yeah, verb verbal expression, but right. But nonetheless, but it's a social. So. It's a social. It's a social process. connection. Yeah, it's a social. Exactly a social process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But actually, that made me think of the the this communication part. The other sort of animalistic story um, that we had is rather like u- using animals as illustration, but it is sort of about communication and attachment. Yeah. It's it's sort of this. So there's these attachment styles and. Yeah, attachment theory. Yeah, yeah, attachment theory. Anyway, one can be an octopus or a turtle, (laughs) which sums it up. That's all you are, one or the other. Yeah, Yeah. like avoidant or anxious. And I guess anxious is you're an octopus, um, which means you want to kind of slather your partner with hugs and words and and you know you're anxious and you need to be reassured and you're like come come into my tentacles and keep prodding them with your tentacles and then yeah the one that's sticky yeah you're sticky with like little suction cups and you're like you want to like suck it up suck the turtle no um you know suck suck up to the turtle and then like drag it into your tentacles <laughs> morass yes yes and so then obviously as when you're a turtle you just want to um, recuse you, excuse yourself <laughs> into your shower. <laughs> recuse your past into your home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And recuse your past. Communicate different communication styles, essentially. I guess it's a good metaphor. Um, yeah. But my thing, I mean, I do like the attachment style thing because I think that it's relevant when you get into confusing situations with people. It's like you know, sometimes these dynamics are going to play out where when people are challenged, you know, they have these ways of behaving with one another where some people do just like in certain situations, like don't want to talk up to other people. And some people kind of go extra full force and try to get people to interact. And, and then it's always like this dance between the two types where oftentimes avoidant will find an anxious attachment partner and they'll do this dance of like, please come, you know, come to me and no, I shall not. But then, you know, it goes back and forth and back and forth and they kind of need each other. I mean, in the same way that like, we're kind of (laughs) oversimplifying uh, the attachment styles, because I think some people can have different ones. Like, I think it's a little bit like uh, astrology. It's like, yes, there are ways of being Then you can say, hello, I am a, you know, Libra turtle. (laughs) Mm. But it's like, actually, it's more relational than that. It's like in this certain circumstance, uh, this is how I play out with other people who are this way. And and then like, from a attachment standpoint, it's sort of like, what kind of attachment style do you have when you're with this other person? I think that makes a big difference, too. So 
it's it's interesting. You can it's really helpful to know when you're with another octopus because then it's like together you are having an octopus moment where you're kind of sucking into each other and pulling. But then sometimes I notice myself that when I'm with someone who's very extreme, extremely an octopus, like I will become the turtle or sometimes Mm. when someone is very much the turtle, I will become the octopus. So, and what, what's happening between you and like what the moment is like, but I have to add, Mm. it also like kind of oversimplifies what a turtle and an octopus are. I just have to put that out there, but of course we know that. Yeah. We know that. I think, but I think they're cute. Um, cute metaphors like I used it the other day you know in kind of discussing relations um and and it was a helpful thing and it also kind of de um like de-escalated the situation because you know you bring in that kind of comes back to and the the sort of the and like the animal the image of the animal and you know you bring that up and suddenly people just feel more at ease because they just think oh you're you're a cute octopus emoji and i'm the green turtle emoji and you know we're just yeah. playing in the sea <laughs> together oh so, i love it yeah i guess there's the benefit there's that the, i would say one of the nice benefits of that particular construct i guess yeah it like gives people more room to behave in a wider way you know than just being this like defended defended logical human like yeah it says oh you know there might be more here and we're both doing stuff and it's okay and i'm accepting me right you kind of externalize both of your identities into these other characters like it's a kind of like puppetry in a way you know you're like i'm an octopus you're a turtle and like both you're sort of holding up that avatar right very interesting does it from a moral circle place in terms of animals Mm -hmm. does it serve or hurt animals when we use them as metaphors for (laughs) our own for our own business (laughs) i wonder if it hurts anyone yeah if they use if you use them as a metaphor what right that's my question i think it could be a slight because i think when we use something or someone as a metaphor we inevitably reduce them to this kind of yes. one, one-sided, large arc, arch, arc, um, archi- yeah. archetype, arch, arc. <laughs> How do right. you say it? Arc or arch? Is it the same thing? Yeah, I, I think arc. I'm trying. To, I'm referring to like a shape, a shapely half, you know, half O shape that I yeah. feel like includes. I think things. an arch is the is the architecture, and the arc is is more the. Narrative. Narrative style, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Anyway, so, but I think, yeah, we reduce we reduce them to this one definitive quality. And so in that way, I suppose. Yeah. It could be somewhat... But if it's... Again, yeah, What what is the reason that you're creating a metaphor? I think, again, becomes important. So it all depends. Well, I think part of it is that we're not making room for we assume there is no animal voice so so then we use them because they can't argue with us we just use their images and what they represent to us which i guess is our business to some extent but like it's a sort of half conversation and that reminds me of an article about animal voice as another Mm. animal that article that we have that in recent philosophy there has been a lot more interest in um, centering animal voice and considering um, what animals say about us and what they mm-hmm. say to one another. And there has been a lot of transformation of thought about this. And um, it's sort of something that's going forward in the next 
you know, a couple decades, possibly because of ecological hysteria, but also just like as a development. Yeah. Let's see. In recent decades, however, the list of things that only animals are capable of has become steadily shorter. Mm. Empathy, expressing emotions, grammar, generalized reciprocity, doing something for someone unknown. Science is beginning to show that other animals can do it all. Yeah, so it's transforming the theory of mind that we have about what it means to be a being and what does it mean to think and perceive others and communicate with others. Mm -hmm. The thing that really came home to me about this article is um, in studying, and of course you have to kind of go with them that this is a Guardian article and you have to go with them to think that these scientific studies are legitimate. Um, I think there are enough of them now being done that probably, you know, you can average that some of this is real. One of them was about elephants and that they studied elephant language and the same word for danger that they used was the word for human Mm. in their like language Mm. that they taught to one another because, you know, you could see some generational uh, teaching going on in elephant herds. So that like opens the the mind up quite a bit, you know, like they have a whole system of thinking and yeah. talking about us. And I would think that it's interesting that there's a study um, because I would think that this is kind of obvious. And you can tell that from behavior that animals exhibit mm-hmm. towards humans. Often they rush mm-hmm. away, you know, they right. um, go for it, try to kind of go further and further from this hum- from human settlements. Yeah. I think it's interesting to me that we need to have that study. I mean, of course, it makes sense that we want to understand things and to kind of really understand things and and language, I think particularly. And and language, yeah, we want to kind of we want to communicate as well, but at the same time, we know they're scared of us. We know that. You know, it's interesting yeah. that they've sort of formalized it. Well, in this study they say, and I think the big point is that, you know, we're different from them and in that better than them because we have language and culture. And they are just animals. Mm-hmm. But this study kind of proves that they have language and culture also, and they're aware of us and yeah. in relation to us, right? So um, they go farther in the article and they say, even just making it about what human, what animals think about humans is still anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic anthropocentric. Yeah. And that's rude. And so we should be considering, you know, the the variety of life that they live and without being in relation to us and yeah we don't need to apply exactly we don't need to apply the standards of humanity yeah. you know can they write can they think can they express you know but it, yeah. there's a different standards and yeah it's it's that learning learning to do that is really difficult i think it is immensely difficult it's difficult even to do it with different kinds of humans honestly for humans i mean right. i feel like there's like only like two types of people that i really enjoy one of my favorite things that i like to think about that helps me deal with people i don't remember where i got it um is that it's like i don't know this person at all they are a completely different country Mm -hmm. they're a completely different world and i am like just visiting it and i need to be really open to it and i think i'm going to include i think i have been including particularly dogs because when I would go over to someone's house, a dog would behave in this kind of funny way, usually where it would like try to be my friend. <laughs> and I would, you know, I like it. I want to be friends with beings and stuff. Yeah. But like, it was also kind of like, okay, well, what's going on for you? And I want to see you as you really are, not just like for what you could give me. Mm-hmm. That's how I am. That's how I try to be with people, you know? Like, what is your, what is your locus of control? What is your main 
thing that that is the most important for you. Yeah, I, don't, I need to learn to do that. I think of it similarly, maybe in terms of weather. I kind of think of yeah. everyone as, I guess maybe I approach it from an emotional standpoint. Yeah, yeah. They have different weather, but it's very hard for me. I think when well, it's hard to kind of have your own weather. Yeah. Under you know, aware of your own weather, and then take in someone else's and take in. Maybe that's something about the animal too, kind of like what we were mm. saying before. When you encounter an animal, we also have the sense that they're like innocent and they're these, you know, non-thinking <laughs> beings or something so that they represent this like pure being or whatever. And so we engage with them and we are like, oh, I am like them. I am also pure being, you know, it's very Christian. Yes, it is. Yeah. And we want to be reminded of that in ourselves, you know, but in a way that's patronizing and in a way that's patronizing of ourselves. And, and I can also see that it's cool, like that it's a good, a good thing for us to do. Well, in mythology, I feel like animals take on this interesting, there was a, uh, apparently there was this fresco uncovered today in Italy and um, I think the Roman, the Roman era and and it depicts Leda being impregnated by Zeus oh, yeah. in the shape of a swan. Right. I love that one. Yeah. It's real dirty. And it's called, it's erotic fresco. Actually, it doesn't really look that erotic. It's just like there's a, there's a swan in her lap. But there's something nice. about the neck of the swan that, yeah, it tilts quite meaningfully <laughs> doing something who, yeah what, whoever made up those stories just was banging animals I mean that's just is that as what clear it was as, okay that's what I, I think. was wondering yeah because I was trying to think of they had a very different like sexual universe yeah. than we did I have no proof that they were really into bestiality but like come on if anybody was I would put it I would put it to them they had a pretty structure and then there was this the centaur the half man half horse yeah exactly Pegasus. Yeah. Ooh. Wow, that's <laughs> there they come. <laughs> the centaurs. Centaur. I love it. With hoofs and naked torso. <laughs> that was just ancient Greek like uh you know, porn that was that was kinda niche, you know. <laughs> when the centaur entered, it was like, all right. Really want to dress up as a centaur. Anybody wants to join in? <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of work. You know, someone has to be bending over the whole night. It's not good. Yeah. No. <laughs> or maybe you it's just not going to be me. No. <laughs> we can take turns. You can be the head, and then I can be the head, and we can just. Oh man, what do you get me involved in? <laughs> Sorry. Centaur. Centaur. Okay, we can just do the Leda and Swan. Scene. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I like the the graceful ones. Yeah. Swans are mean, though. I know. I've definitely considered that. Like, some part of me is like, oh, that's hot. And then I think about it for a second, and I'm like, no, I don't want to sleep with a swan. That's gross. Not from a bestiality place, I will admit. Just, like, that animal particularly is not that hot Yeah. To me. It's just like, but there's probably, a lot of, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. and, like, <laughs> wiggly neck situation. I don't like I it. know. I feel like the neck will become this, like, that That will be the penetrating yeah. Um, device. Well, we've, we've organized it. In similar art, there's the uh, the Japanese uh, lady fucking the octopus. Don't forget. That's a good one. I forget what that's called, but everyone knows that one. Are you thankful for anything? Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm not feeling super thankful. I'm sorry, world. Um, I'm sick, so I guess I'm just 
thankful to be getting better. But one guy on the subway was like, what are you guys thankful for? Just like so open, you know? And I guess since I've been spending my life underground, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for weird moments with strangers. And I have them so often that they make a really big difference in my day. And so sometimes I'll have these like, I don't know, just like beautiful moments where you'll see this like family that is really struggling, but you can tell that they really care for each other. That's really nice. I'm thankful for that. Of course, I'm thankful for my family and friends. But yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking for symbols or for inspiration from the world sometimes. And I'm thankful that it usually arrives in the form of humans, but sometimes in the form of animals. I don't know. What are you thankful for? I actually forgot it was Thanksgiving because I really only know one American <laughs> person here and yeah. she forgot as well. You don't have to remember so we, it. We, we, but the way that I remember about it is the, the deluge of Black Friday emails and oh, pop-ups yeah. and things like that. So, right. Which yeah. um, seems... Um, I never tire of the name. It seems very decadent. It almost seems like Black Tie Fridays. It's like some sort Ooh, of like party that. that you go to. But of course, it's just right. a money swilling party, which I've already entered with my phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have. You love your Black Friday. You're going to beep your phone all over the place on Black Friday. But yeah, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. But I'm, of course, I'm grateful for lots of things. Um, really enjoy being in this country called Greece. For fun. What do you like about it? Well, I continue to like all the coffee shops sitting around. And <laughs> jealous. I ungoingly enjoy glimpses of the Parthenon Acropolis. Also, mm-hmm. like, um, I'm a fan. And a lot of people here are critical of the architecture because there was a there was a certain shift in 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 the urban environment in the like 50s and 60s when uh, they demolished a lot of the kind of two-story older buildings and instead they built these apartment buildings. And so most people say that oh they're so ugly, you know they're so uniform. They're not quite so uniform first of all, and I think. Um, they have this really great feature that each apartment usually will have a balcony, or like several. I think most rooms will have balconies. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a kind of uniform yeah. feature, which I quite enjoy because, you know, coming from the East, um, I come from the land of many blocks. You know, just yes. the, the architecture is like this multi-family dwellings that are um, nine-story, 12-story sometimes, you know, and they kind of like fall, they kind of create a landscape of their own, this like Anthropocene mm. landscape. And I kind of enjoy it because... I feel like it's it's almost sculptural, you know. You really, I guess, I just like it. I have that. I have. I, I enjoy like brutalism. I enjoy concrete. <laughs> I am thankful for brutalism. Either it's you know nature or or you know I, I don't actually I, I prefer you know like Athens to Edinburgh for instance. Edinburgh, especially in the center, is kind of very gothic. It's very pretty and just doesn't do it for me. You know, I like I like yeah. a sort of functionality and I I, I like yeah. the fact that people have their balconies and they put all these plants in them and buildings are sort of similar but different. Anyway, somehow I really I actually yeah. really enjoy it and walking around still enjoying the motorbikes. My foot's still good. Still hating the cheese. Just hating the cheese? Yeah, there's a lot of cheese that people put everywhere. I don't like it. Oh. And I have an oh. issue with cheese. Oh, not thankful for cheese. No, no. But everything else, oh. the weather's been blissful. Um, it's really been very nice. Love the art. People are so nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. But I'm leaving soon, I guess, in two weeks. Yeah, and you go to London, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Edinburgh, where I can report 
directly from the disgustingly gothic. (laughs) 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 I like a gothic, a gothic situation, you know. My people are somewhat gothic. I'm oddly actually even unfazed, even though I got pickpocketed somehow, I feel that didn't change my relationship with the city in any way. That's good. For some bizarre reason. Well, first of all, people have told me to be careful in this particular like part of the Green Line, and I guess I really? wasn't being careful. But somehow I just, I just assumed that, oh, okay, well, that's what happens. You have to just be... It was a lesson. I think it's hard for me to believe that things like that really happen somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was good to see that they do, and it wasn't terrible. Yeah. I mean, I keep... I always think about New York in the 70s like it's about to happen again, you know? Mm-hmm. Like things are so much different now, but it used to be, you know, living with crime used to be... I mean, it still is true mm-hmm. for many people, but I think it's far less than it used to be. Um, so I keep like trying to get ready for the yeah. change. What is the change right. and what will I do? Well, the income disparity is sort of growing and growing. So one wonder, right. I do always wonder about how people, especially in the States where, you know, here, oh, the other thing, of course, is that I enjoy the free, you know, the free health care that I had in country oh, with right. and the dentals. I feel like people always walk, I always walk on the kind of a brink of destruction there financially, you know. I know, hopefully things will improve, but maybe they won't. I don't know. We're stepping into quite a uh, important year. I'm a little oh, yeah, with all the nervous. Elections. Yeah. But so glad that something will stir around. Right. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think impeachment's going to happen. I no. still think that Trump's going to win. That's oh, my God. prophecy for 2020. Please don't prophesize from. Sorry. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Why? <laughs> I mean, I think, think it's just, you know, I think on, on the surface, there hadn't been, the economy is not terrible, you know, kind of on the surface things of it, you know. I mean, no new wars has started. Nobody cares about Ukraine and the States. Like, they don't even know where that is, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I think, you know, the Republicans are rallying anyway, so it's just, you know, impeachment's not going to happen. Um, the common man appeal remains. He, like, you know, he's sort of amusing, um, performative yeah. nature still appeals and amuses. And also, just the, the democratic side just has, you know, such a like ever growing stampede, which just simply, you know, people can't concentrate, I think, you know. There are just too many faces, and so it's it dis- yeah. again like disbands instead of creating a unity. It sort of dis- distracts yes, attention, breaks it apart, and you know it's just like a strange yeah. like it becomes like a it's like an identity politics parade or something um, instead of having one glorious you know having one glorious leader in this day and age is just somehow appealing to people. We're just back to that time. Yeah. It, maybe it's, this is a really dumb suggestion, but maybe it's because there are so many options for what to watch and what to do, like, on the internet that they like, that they have to watch the Trump show all the time, even though it's the fucking worst and he sucks. It's like there's this odd consistency and lack of choice in the system. Where he's also he's consistently present. amusing. I mean... It cracks me up whenever I look at his Twitter. It's amazing. It's just, it's really they're funny. Not, yeah, they're not looking for freedom. They're not looking for change. They're not looking for, like, you know, equity. They're looking for stasis, safety, and entertainment. 
For sure. And I think when, when you haven't lived in, you know, in a situation where like healthcare was a given, you know, yeah. it's hard for people to even imagine what that's like. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a different state of the world other than the one that you live in. Yeah. I mean, I, it was very helpful for me to study the history of social welfare policy in this country because we were in the place that we're at. It was, I don't know if it was worse or better, but you know, after the great depression, there was a huge change, but there was great inequality then too. People thought it was the way things had to be. People were screwed all the time by, you know, the rich and there were no social welfare policies to help people in this country. And they had to be invented because people were so mad about the depression and about what was happening, you know, but it was really helpful to learn about that because I too was just like, well, we're fine. Everything's fine. You know, we'll have social security someday and I don't know, maybe we'll have better health care. We'll see. But to know that this was created from an inequality Mm-hmm. you know, what, what it used to be or what it is, you know, what shreds of it are left um, was really important, I think, for me to see. And that we could go farther with it if we wanted to, or we could change it, you know. But I think there's just something also that happens with uh, in the automated era where people just feel right. more removed. And it's, right. it's tricky. And when I think with the advance of state, it's hard to explain. But I think, you know, in the past, for instance, I feel like I think there was more of an acceptance from what I read from fiction even, you know, you just, um, there was more of an exception of different kind of demographics in society, you know, and you knew that, well, you know, the poor people, they're here, they just exist, you know, sometimes the rich people in the States, and I'm talking about the States, you know, they sometimes they'll have like a ball, charity ball to collect money, you know, to like support the poor families or something. But now, um, the fact that um, there is a kind of centralized government. I feel like it takes away that people think that something's going to happen. But I think also, you know, you get weird laws. Like everything sort of becomes legalese, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But so, you know, we get laws like in Las Vegas, you know, that passed that law where, oh, if you're home, you know, no one can sleep on the, on the street. Right. You know, they can't. And so you just, you just like instead you kind of like create all these weird rubrics and people, I think we're in this obedience. Yeah. We're like, and then that I will bring up that an animal dog metaphor become obedient like dogs and they just yeah for me part of the problem is that there's been like this huge lack of faith in government uh, in general and so they look at every law any any you know policy that's created like it's out to get people or out to limit people's rights and that's not necessarily true like that's the complete opposite in many cases. Like no, no. I think it's always just depends on the, what kind of law. Because I'm sure you know the same yeah. people that oh, were yeah. crying against right. like free healthcare. You know, are supporting the, the homeless yeah. laws. Yeah, I think yeah. it just comes down to your um, worldview essentially, and who you think is deserving of um, bounty and like you know respect essentially. Right. Yeah. And then and so so it's kind of a matter of convenience. You believe in government when it suits you. You know. And then you don't when it doesn't suit you. Yeah, I, I'm curious about what what happened, uh, what was happening like when they created the social welfare policies that I'm talking about, like the, 
not in the 1970s version, but like early welfare. And what was the, what was the Green the back- New Deal? I mean, I'm sorry, the Green New Deal, the, the New Deal. <laughs> yeah. What was the backlash and what was the language that was used against that? Because I, of course, there well, were lots communism of communism was the, one of the backlashes because, you know, that just happened recently. So Yeah, exactly. So, so like, what was, what was the way, did they use the same logic? I'm sure they did. They were just, you know, like, it's not our responsibility. We don't need to help anyone. And, but I think that, you know, the amount of, death and destruction that was happening in this country. And the, like, I think because there was possibly an economic motivator to that policy, like it was, you know, to help the economy, you know, it made it, it made it more attractive. But also fear of uprising. I think, I think also fear of uprising just, as people have rebelled against uh, the Tsar and, you know, created the Soviet state, you know, I feel like at that time, the danger was palpable. So it's like you had to navigate the danger of seeming a bit socialist in order mm-hmm. to avoid, you know, a right. much greater communism or something like that. Right, right. And I think that that's what we're creeping. I worry and I see that in like the Trump camp mm-hmm. of, them, of them creating this this rhetoric of, I think that's like the whole racist rhetoric about the border that, that America is being overrun by enemies that, and they're trying to scare everybody. Mm -hmm. They're like, put you in this emergency state, which is, you know, in most, in like all cases, bullshit. So that they want to be, you know, cuddle up to whoever's going to tell them what to do about it. Um, but, but at the same time, it's so weird because there are so many crises going on at the same, it's like now, and because of the, the stuff that they're doing, right. So it's like, there's, there's a relationship between crisis and leadership and like the creation of laws and government. My advice for this episode is please, uh, Try to listen to what animals around you are saying to each other and oh, eavesdrop on animals is my suggestion. And um, let me know how it goes. I'm curious about what, what they're saying. If you decenter the human, what are they talking about? What are they into? We can definitely be nosy, right? And if it doesn't bother them, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What's up? Like, what's up with them? You know, if they them? are indeed. full full beings, which indeed they are, what's going on? I want to know. <laughs> I wish they could call in. I know. Also, like, I'm very sorry for all the turkeys. Um, yeah. That are going down this week. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah. Sorry. That's a whole other point. Proud, proud vegetarian. I wish everyone, you know, uh, an okay weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. See you guys next week. I mean, you'll hear from us. Once again, next week, yeah, follow us, spread the word, send us messages um, if, you, if you enjoy listening. We always enjoy hearing back. We octopi away. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>